I always enjoyed cooking at home, like a lot of chefs do with my mum. And then I got a job. I was brought up in Filey on the North Yorkshire coast and ended up with a job at 13, washing up in a, a local restaurant and started on a Easter bank holiday Sunday. And I went home and I said to my mum, I never want to go back there again. Into did about eight hours, I think, polishing cutlery constantly. And I was forced to go back and did a few less hours. And in the end, I ended up enjoying more going to work than I did going to school, to be honest. And that's what it kind of inspired me. Started off washing up and helping out and then progressed a little bit more onto cooking. And then when I left school, it was a choice between training to be an architect or going into cooking and end up uh, choosing cooking so that's what I wanted to do end up going to Scarborough Technical College at the time yeah and the rest of the say is history do you look back at that now that decision and think wow like what's come from it yeah I never liked school really but I loved going to college doing catering at college and I think that's when I thought this is my niche you know this is what I'm, I want to do and uh, I had an ambition then for owning my own place by the time I was 25 and having a Michelin star by the time I was 30. But then you leave college and you realise that the place of work is a completely different world and it's a lot of hard work and I kind of forgot about that really. And then I suppose somewhere in the back of my mind it's still always an ambition. So, yeah, eventually bought the pipe and glass when I was 30 and we had a, uh, I think, a Michelin star when I was 32, so not far behind that. But, you know, that was never the main aim, uh, especially here at the Pipe and Glass. We never set up with the aim of getting a Michelin star. It's a thing that comes, and we got inspected five days after we first opened by Michelin. I couldn't believe it. We was there with uh, me and two people helping me in the kitchen, and then Kate and a handful of people out front. Uh, we just had a blackboard menu, and somebody handed the card over and said it's Michelin I was like wow <laughs> so I spoke to them and they wanted to put us in the pub guide and I said to them you know we're not cooking to get a Michelin star we're cooking to have a full restaurant you know I'd rather have a full restaurant and happy customers rather than loads of awards and no customers so it was obviously on the radar for them and we just carried on what we was doing working hard it was definitely working hard and yeah and then a few years later we got awarded a a Michelin star so but there's still the same premise today is cooking really good food with great Yorkshire hospitality and that's what we try to do on a daily basis you know it's not thinking about awards and we're cooking food that I like to eat we're cooking food that our customers like to eat hopefully and try and look after every customer who comes in through the door making sure they want to return and they're happy and that's our premise really. Hi, it's Paul from The Past Podcast. Series 2 is sponsored by Welcome to Leeds, a new city platform showcasing, supporting and celebrating world-class events and organisations and all the various people in Leeds, just like the people that I'm meeting as a part of our new podcast series available exclusively through the Welcome to Leeds food channel. Check it out at www.welcometoleeds.co.uk. So I'm sat in one of the beautiful private rooms in the Chef's Library in South Dalton, just outside of Beverly, in one of my favourite Yorkshire restaurants, The Pipe and Glass. And just opposite me is probably one of the most well-known chefs and synonymous chefs with the county, James McKenzie. Thank you, mate, for joining me today. 
Pleasure. How are you? Very good, thank you. When you think back at your career, how do you sum it up? How do you kind of begin to even sum up what you've achieved and what you've done? It's a difficult question, really. I don't think you'd spend a lot of time thinking about it, really. It's pretty much like a roller coaster ride, really. You know, you have always been busy, have always worked extremely hard, and that's still the case today, you know. And I don't think you have a lot of time almost to reflect on what you've actually done or what you achieved because you're always looking forward to the next thing and you can never rest on your laurels and think yep we've made it or whatever you know you're always trying to evolve and and push yourself on really what was the moment for you that you first realized actually i have an aptitude for this i can do it to a, a higher level i don't know i'm probably not thinking that even now really you just kind of get on with it really i suppose when you went to college and you realise you've been recognised by, you know, your lecturers and they're saying you're quite good at this and you're passing stuff. And I think when you enjoy doing something and it's to a high standard and I'm really into everything, you know, I've always read cookbooks and I'm always doing that now, you know, reading magazines, seeing what's going on. And I think that's part of the thing that you realise this is what we're doing. This is what I'm doing and I love it. When I met you, it was actually a cookery lesson. So you were teaching a really small group of people, just some really simple skills, talking us through some dishes. What bit of your job do you get the most enjoyment out of? Because it seems to me you're a very busy chef. You do demos, you do these cookery sessions. Obviously, you're running the restaurant and the pub here. What do you enjoy the most? I enjoy running here, the pipe and glass. You know, it's uh, we're very lucky in a way to have a job that we really enjoy and we're in a beautiful part of the world and sometimes you forget that as well and you walk outside and we're surrounded by countryside and there's this great place you know and I think it's split up into pieces that you actually enjoy I enjoy being here and you enjoy happy customers you know having that relationship with customers they're giving you feedback and they've actually enjoyed the food and that's a great feeling and, and the same for all the staff as well they've had great food great service and that's proof that we do work hard and it's reward for that another part that i'm quite passionate about and i get a lot reward from is trying to encourage young chefs into our industry young cooks we run a competition called the golden apron that's been running for three or four years now and it's hard work to try and get people inspired but when you do these kind of things and you see the whites of the kids eyes when they're actually doing the competition it's open to 14 to 19 year olds but when you see some of these guys and girls who are 14 years old and some of the creativity they've got what they're putting on a play is brilliant you know and if one person chooses our industry out of that competition i'm over the moon with that we've had a few people go on from this but we had a girl a few years ago and she did get through to the final but she didn't uh, win in the end but she was deciding her career and her mum was there supporting her and saying what she wanted to do and this girl called Gemma from this competition she she thought I want to do this as a career so she started at I think Doncaster College and she turned up about a year ago here at the Pipe and Glass and said I'm just come to tell you that I've got a job in London I'm moving to London and this wouldn't have been possible without yourself and the inspiration from this golden apron competition and that brings a lump to yeah, your throat and yeah. it's absolutely brilliant that really one nice. person yeah at the end of the cookery day for me you didn't tap me on the shoulder and offer me a job which is kind of what i was hoping that was gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's fine it's fine i didn't take it personally but you know when you are trying to look at these new talent coming up what sort of skills for you learning what you've learned over the years are the fundamental skills the fundamental thing first and foremost i think that people actually want to do this as a career you've got to want to do it you've got to love it it's a little bit like 
other professions like nursing or other stuff, you've got to be passionate about it because you understand that you're getting a buzz off seeing that great produce coming in through the back door and getting excited about it. And then when you cook it and you taste it, you think, wow, that tastes amazing. And then when you're serving it on the plate and you think, that looks great. And then when you get the feedback of the customer, you, you buzz off things like that, which means you've got to want to do it. And the other thing is that you've got to be able to cook. And that's not just been a, a chef and, you know, in the broader sense of the term, you've got to be a good cook in my eyes. You've got to know how stuff tastes, how it should. It's not how long necessarily a timer's on for that and what it probes at. It's knowing the smell, the taste, the touch of something. You know, if a chef says, I say that's not cooked enough, they say, well, it's I've given it four minutes in the oven, the same as that last piece. Yeah, but we're dealing with live ingredients, you know. Uh, it's different every time. You need to know the feel of it. You need to. You can sometimes tell by how it looks, you know. Mm. It's not quite right, but it's that i don't know whether knowledge is the right word but passion for it you know and understanding yeah understanding of ingredients and wanting to do it yeah how much of your day or your life is consumed by thinking of food probably the large majority (laughs) (laughs) yeah from morning till night really you know it's about ordering the right food it's about knowing what's in season it's about uh, like i said tasting stuff always planning different ideas we're always evaluating dishes we've got on you know and i'm constantly thinking i can be lying in bed thinking about something and thinking (laughs) we've always done that like this why don't we change this and i'll come in in the morning and say i know we've done it like this but what about if we change this and that the other and sometimes we mess about doing lots of different things and then think well actually it's no better so we'll just stick to how we was doing it so when i was watching we were talking on the way up here about the michelin guide which has been announced very recently and i think one of the things they said it was about the current uk pub scene in that the restaurants now really are hitting that high standard you guys are one of the originals here that were that high standard in my opinion that really set the bar along with places like star at harem about that pub and high quality food why do you think that is now that the pub scene is almost where the best food is now i don't know necessarily carte blanche it's the best food i think restaurants still have the place with the white tablecloths and things like that but i think attitude from the actual punter has changed over time and they're a lot more aware and, and savvy what they want to eat. You know, you could say the more like food is, you know, there's more people that travel more, things like that. And they want a more casual feel to dining, but still good quality food. You know, not everybody wants to get dressed up all the time in a shirt and tie and sit in a, a stiff dining room. You know, we encourage kids and everything. And I think that's essential, you know, that people can feel relaxed. And that doesn't mean that it's not formalizing the way we operate and things you know there's a fine balance in that but generally i think people want a more relaxed dining experience but with a high quality of food and a pub gives chefs a platform to cook what they like to eat and the customer wants to eat as well did you always want it to feel like a pub because i like it that you come in there's that really traditional bar area it does feel like a pub and then you sit down and the food is just next level Yeah, and I think that's still essential for us, that you can come in and have a pint. You know, it's as important for us to serve a good pint of beer as it is to serve a fine claret or something like that. You know, it's everything across the board. It doesn't matter whether we're serving a steak sandwich and a pint of ale or whether it's roast grouse and, like I say, some top-quality fine wine. It's got to be the same, and we're a business that we're cooking and looking after people to have a a successful business and people enjoy coming you know it's not just focusing on awards and like i said before you know it's cooking for 
the clientele that's around and, and recognizing your customer where you are in the world you know we're set in the country in yorkshire and that's got a lot to do with your value for money that you give your portion sizes everything you've got to recognize that so before we go on to talk about some of your five favorite dishes i wondered if there was something over your career or over the food at the pipe and glass if there's one sort of running element or one running philosophy behind how you approach food here at the pipe and glass a philosophy of good quality ingredients and i think any chef would say exactly the same as that really it's it's about having good relationships with suppliers and knowing that what comes in through the back door is great quality and my philosophy is not messing about with food too much but it's still got to be cooked nice and presented to the customer nice but say we buy a piece of halibut it's got to be the best wild halibut that we can get it's a nice piece and then we cook it treat it sympathetically prepare it sympathetically look after it and cook it and put it on the plate and you can still tell it's a piece of halibut kind of thing and we'd try not to mask it up with lots of foams and sauces and things like that it's about having other things on the plate that complement it but the customer gets what they're ordering really whether it be you know a nice piece of meat a nice piece of fish or a vegetarian dish or whatever it might be it's about the ingredients I think is the key thing sometimes you might pay a little bit more for quality ingredients but at the end of the day the ingredients look after themselves more if they're good quality mm. and sing on the plate and I think that's a, a thing that a lot more chefs have got a stripped back version of how they present food now in the restaurants even the top end place you know it's about the simplicity and the flavors more than you know messing about with 39 different garnishes on the plate so have you got a first favorite dish that you can talk us through something that stands out from here or your career one of the first ever dishes which is still on the menu now and it's a simple dish is a potted pork dish that started off and i think it's a great philosophy it's kind of a, a quite a pubby dish i suppose it's a little bit like a french riette but the potted pork we originally used to get a pig killed for us every week and we'd use the loins on a sunday lunch and then the rest of it we'd make the potted out of we have to use more than that now so we use a mixture of belly and shoulder and things in our potted and it's a busier but that's kind of a dish that kind of represents where we started off nearly 12 years ago now and it hasn't changed dramatically but it's changed over the years from in different guises because we're all the time evaluating that dish but there still is some really nice tasting potted pork in a pot it now has some sage butter on top we do some sticky apple with that so we use some granny smith and a like a cider and apple reduction in that and then we use the crackling off the pork in the salad with some simple spelt toast it's probably more so just the presentation there's some fresh apple in the salad and things but i think that typifies the dish that it is it's quite simple but it's one of the most popular things we've had on from day one and if we ever took it off i think we'd be lynched by <laughs> half the customers you know i actually had it when i ate here right. and it was really really nice and actually when i came was new year's day i think i remember telling you that and obviously that must be one of the things that in being like a pub restaurant that there is a little bit more expectancy that you'll be open over those sort of times do you still enjoy that to get a lot of value out of that getting people in over different times when other places might be sharp we always enjoy being busy with customers <laughs> <laughs> always but i think when you do run a pub it's slightly different to a restaurant you're almost there as a service as well to 
people you're open as a pub and if you're advertised you're open for drinks you are open for drinks you know and people use pubs in different ways you know in some of them can be turning up and sit outside in an afternoon you know just having a drink or whatever right through to bank holidays you know different people turning up right over christmas you know you've got to take the good times when people are there you know yeah we do enjoy it it's a beautiful building what was it like when you first built it was it a shell was it when we first came it was trading just but it was nothing like you see today really but uh, we had a very small budget when we first bought the place and uh, we had a couple of weeks to turn it around and there was a lot of not much sleep going on in them two weeks we called in favors from every friend and person that we knew really and did the basics what we could afford to do and then it's been an ongoing process ever since then really about investment a lot of investment in different areas all over time you know we started off with the kitchen not being able to afford to do much of the kitchen just some elbow grease to get rid of most of the grease really out of the kitchen we had three six burner gas stoves one only about half the rings worked on top one of the oven doors used to come off in your hand <laughs> one only worked on full blast yeah so it was it was interesting trying to uh, survive and we survived with us for about a year or so and then we invested in a new stove and a new kitchen and you know it's a big big investment at the time when you say to the bank manager can we borrow 50 grand for a cooker and uh, he nearly falls off his chair but uh <laughs> you know we did that and uh it's still looking good now you know today and uh, i'm a great believer in having the right kit because it makes the food more consistent you have happier chefs you know which happy chefs produce happy food you know so. let's talk then about if you've got a second dish that we can put on so essentially what happens throughout this episode we'll make your menu and then eventually i'll go away and i'll send you a copy of your menu of the day so have you got a second dish for us that you can put on your menu i'd have to say that a dish that's one of my personal favourites to eat anywhere I go, which is always my all-time favourite, and it would probably be my last supper, would be a massive shellfish platter, actually. Shellfish. Yeah. I love eating shellfish, and it's just the kind of gluttonous thing to do, really, but we use a great deal of fish here and different shellfish in different ways on the menu, but if I ever go anywhere and that's on the menu, you know, I love eating any kind of shellfish with a nice glass of white burgundy. And uh, that's my perfect heaven, really. <laughs> I'm kind of there, actually. <laughs> I know when, a little while ago, you said that when you opened it here, you weren't sort of aiming for stars or accolades, you just wanted a busy place. But when it came around and it was announced that you had a star, how did that feel? Could you even remember it now? Can you remember where you were? Yeah, I can categorically tell you where I were. I don't think any chef will ever forget. I was actually driving at the time. We'd... Uh, been on a, a holiday and we'd done a, a little bit of a refurb in the bar and we wasn't open at the time we'd been closed for a week there was no food in and we'd invited a few friends and locals to come down for a drink so i was actually on my way to tesco's to get some food from tesco's to put on the bar that <laughs> night because we didn't have chefs and i was driving and uh my phone rang and it was andrew pern from the star saying have you seen the michelin guide and i said no and he said well, you've got a michelin star We've just seen it, and uh, somebody just let me know. I nearly drove off the road. It's like, wow. So I rang Kate, my wife, and her exact words was, yes, I know the phone's not stopped ringing. <laughs> so I went on, went into Tesco's, bought some sausage rolls and things like that. I thought, thinking, wow, if people could see me now. And then we came back and then... Yeah, you'd lose the stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Take it straight away. 
it was a great celebration that night. But we came back and Thorns Red Hot and was the first ever place in East Yorkshire to gain a star. Yeah, a real shock and absolutely brilliant. And you guys have, have held it ever since. And that's obviously a massive achievement. And obviously you mentioned that as we're walking up, oh, really relieved. And the first thing I said is, oh, you know, there's no way you guys were going to lose it. But is it a bit of a fear or...? Yeah, I don't think... Fear is probably the wrong word, but uh, I always feel that we're always trying to improve on what we do at the same time of keeping the premise of what we're actually about and our beliefs are. And when you say trying to improve things and making things better, it doesn't mean drastically changing things all the time. It means tweaking here and there because you've got customers who enjoy coming here for what you actually do. So, yes, you have to keep up with current trends of what's going on in the culinary world. I think I've got more confident about my food over the last few years even, which is a little bit less is more on the plate as well. I do feel, if you look back 11 years ago from when we first started and we only had a a few chefs in the kitchen and what we was producing, yes, we were still as busy, but I think I'd probably cringe at some of the stuff we was doing. But we have the kit, we have the skills of the chefs, we have 14 chefs now to produce the goods every day. You know, we make everything fresh from ice creams to breads and many different things, but... It's a thing that you've got to keep your consistency. And our thing is that it doesn't matter whether it is a Michelin inspector or a food blogger eating the food or just somebody who's come for their birthday or somebody who's nipped him to the piping glass to have their tea for the second time in a week. Everything that we do should be exactly the same. There's no point in trying to pretend that that person's different to that one. Everybody should be treated the same, you know, and uh, hopefully that's what we do, you know. Hi, it's Paul. I'm just going to take a little break to remind you that we're sponsored this year by Welcome to Leeds and to ask you to leave us a little review. A five-star or even four-star, but I'd prefer five, let's face it, review helps other people see us and it helps us grow and it's the best way for others to find out what we're doing. This isn't just a little shared secret between you and me. I really want to share what these amazing people are doing with the world. So leaving us a review helps us do that. Thank you. I speak to some chefs, especially of like your caliber of almost like a ruthlessness. It's like you have to keep pushing yourself. There must be a little bit now of that you've achieved so much and you kind of almost feel like, oh, this can come naturally now. And not phoning it in because I'd never accuse you of that, but resting on your laurels. Do you have to keep pushing yourself to be better? Absolutely, yeah, because the world moves on. It doesn't matter what business you're in. You know, the world evolves around you. New places are opening up all the time. There's some great young chefs coming up and they have a different skill set to what I have, you know, and different values about food. And so you're always trying to, like I say, evolve the place and keep up with current trends in food, but still trying to cook nice food. It's difficult, but yeah, you've always got to be pushing yourself. And that doesn't matter whether it's about a Michelin star or whatever. It could be in our bedrooms you know you're always looking at different places and oh that's a good idea we could do that and you're always looking for a great customer experience all around you know i said to andrew pern actually this same question i'll ask you is i wonder though if with that there's almost like a nervousness that the next step we make might almost break the formula or or sour the milk sort of thing yeah i think you've just got to stick to what you're comfortable with as well and like I said we don't drastically change stuff on a daily basis but there's always that thing that food's subjective isn't it one person's what they love isn't another person's you know so I think it's testament when we're a busy business 
that you've got customers coming in through the door all the time and that's the main thing for us that's what tells you a lot about a place you know you've got we're not perfect all the time by any means but we try to satisfy people and we're busy throughout the year you know so i think that's testament to what we do is people are wanting it as long as that continues we carry on doing what we're doing let's put a third dish then on your menu what would you like to put on next well it's a dish that any kind of game dish really we feature game heavily in the game season we're just in it now but i like eating game myself and i think it's essential for where we are again and we've got rabbit on the menu we've got partridge on the menu we've got grouse on the menu we've got venison on the menu so any kind of game dish you know not one particular one but i think that typifies the seasonality about food as well you know i was it's always shock when it comes around to the glorious 12th of august and you think my god it's gonna be christmas soon so uh, (laughs) um, so once you hit that and it's an exciting time because there's all this new ray of larder opening up for you as in a chef and that's when i get really excited about you know the first grouse of the season then we get partridge and you're able to cook these different things that you know it's a changing of a season and i think that is essential to any chef you get excited about produce and we have roast grouse on the menu we do it traditionally and virtually traditionally that's what our customers like uh, we've got mallard on the menu at the minute that's with some truffle beetroot some trumpets and so all these different things that are in season go together what i want to do on this series is i started to realize that i'm meeting with all these incredible chefs and what i don't take away is any tips so what i want to start to try and do is take away some tips from you guys who have lived it and loved it so what i thought about doing was almost maybe trying to focus on a key element an episode if it would be seasoning knife skills presentation something like that that you could almost talk me through and give me some just simple tips to improve my cookery one question i do get asked quite a lot is how to cook fish actually and i think some people are worried about cooking fish and they say oh it tends to be a little bit dry when i cook it and the simple thing is well don't cook it as long (laughs) you know but i think some people don't know how to cook fish and i always say to them it's treat it like you would a piece of meat so you've got to cook it the appropriate way it's also got to rest and be seasoned correctly cooked nicely and rested as well so don't overcook it and it's still going to carry on cooking when you've got the heat the residual heat in the pan say and sometimes when you do it demonstrations or food festival or something and you can cook it on one side turn it over take the pan off the heat and just leave it there you know it's going to be poaching in a little bit of butter that it's in or whatever and people are shocked at that they think it's got to be red hot and then you can just gently rest it and then just warm it through put it on the plate and you have this nice relaxed piece of fish that's like any kind of meat would be you know and you've got it nice and juicy all the way through we did fish on your day actually that you taught us and you even took us through how to fillet the whole fish are they skills that are easy for people to learn i think it's something that people don't know how to do necessarily but there's so many different fish that's you know your flat fish your round fish small ones big ones and yeah it is quite hard in things even as a professional chef you know some of the commie chefs you don't want to let loose on a 450 pound halibut and knacker it up and it's cut up but you need to practice on stuff so if you're at home i would get some mackerel say or some cheaper fish and just try filleting it and just practice on things like that hopefully you get to see you know the feel of what's wrong and what's right and that's the same as any knife skill whether it be butchery whether it be fish whether it be chopping vegetables whether it be chopping herbs and it's just getting comfortable with a knife 
skills really one of the things that comes up to me a lot as well and it's like you said earlier it's like that it's the look of it as well so when you're looking at fish is it that you're looking for that nice sort of translucent you don't want it to be too again like kind of go pink on it in the middle almost yeah absolutely i mean I'm not an expert in any particular thing of cooking, fish, but you know what looks quality, and that's what you should be looking for if you've got a whole fish. You know, it looks like it's got bright eyes and it's, you know, nice and shiny. It's nice and fresh to begin with, you know, with the gills and all these telltale signs that it's going to be fresh. And then, like you say, when you're actually cooking it, it doesn't look dull. And if you've got a frozen piece of fish that's been in the freezer and freezer burn you can tell when you cook it it's going to look dull and it doesn't look vibrant and fresh you want that nice soft flesh to it and translucent in the middle depending on what you're cooking you know not everybody likes the fish a little bit medium rare but uh you know it needs to be cooked uh, tender as well i remember you saying actually about the fish that we did that day i think it was a trout and you just said just put the skin down let it cook almost through and then only turn it over on the last minute was that right am yeah, i remembering so that you've right got, so you've got to say See, cooking. i'm a good i'm a good student yeah, yeah, well done why well, didn't you bloody give me that job come on <laughs> yeah it's something like that with the skin on fish you want to cook it nicely on the skin side so you've got that nice crispy side and then just turn it over like i say and you've got a knob of butter in the pan and it's just going to poach gently on the other side you know it's not going to take any cooking i've even made that bernay sauce since with the little oranges in there and the fish you're right it was beautiful i did a cracking job (laughs) thank you very much (laughs) let's talk about your fourth dish then we're going to put onto your menu it's a dish that comes on every autumn winter time and it's a dessert which is a trio of apples and it utilizes the best of the produce again on seasonality we have a little apple and bramble crumble which everybody and i think it's denotes that kind of pubby feel you know traditional kind of food that we like but it's kind of elevated into a pretty elegant dish so we have an apple and bramble crumble we have a sticky apple sponge so it's your kind of traditional like a one of your nursery puddings one of your uh, steamed syrup sponge basically but we make a the syrup with apple juice and some granny smith apple again and that's all sticky and then a sponge mix with calvados in and then also that goes with a green apple sorbet and some dried apple slices as well so you get the freshness of the apple sorbet the crispiness and the intenseness of the flavor of the apple crisps and then the traditional kind of crumble and the sponge pudding that goes with a little bit of a uh, frothy custard on the side or some people would say creme anglaise but we say custard in yorkshire <laughs> so how have you seen the yorkshire scene grow like you mentioned before there are all these young chefs coming up now since i've lived here like two and a half years even i've seen the scene grow what are the biggest changes for you there is a lot of change and like i say it's a new wave of chefs and some of them opened up really good places of work for us in the past now you know and we still think we're still fairly young and then when we've been here for nearly 12 years you've got other people like neil at scosh in york who's just won a bib gourmand who's doing fantastic things he worked for us for a while yeah, as that. josh in york as well who was on great british menu he used to work for us for a while as well and there's all these new vibrant scene of these young chefs doing different modern food and when we first opened up 
the, even round here it wasn't awash with decent places since we've been here there's better places opening up which is brilliant because people can come here they can eat somewhere else and it raises the bar for skill level with chefs in the area everything so and everybody's doing something slightly different as well which is great as well so yeah it, it has evolved but also evolved with the restaurant scene and the uh, dining scene is the producers as well we have a great larder of produce in yorkshire and that's grown immensely as well for the quality of the produce and the local produce you can get from far and wide across the county on that odd occasion that you do get to eat out what sort of food are you searching for it completely depends on the situation what you're actually well you know we're uh, not averse to anything like that (laughs) We're not averse to going out with the kids to Pizza Express and things, you know, and having a nice pizza or different things. You know, the different occasions call for different types of food. And I like going to nice restaurants, meeting starred restaurants or whatever and having that experience, but also looking a little bit different food, whether that might be a nice burger somewhere or whatever it might be. You know, just it depends on the, the situation you're in. And I think with the different styles of food now, you have to go to these different places that aren't necessarily just cooking tasting menus and things it's going to the other things and seeing if you can pick up something off that that obviously everybody's enjoying eating whether it be street food or something like that and you can bring something back to your own food about that are you always looking for inspiration then when you're out eating or even if you're not out eating are you looking for inspiration yeah absolutely like i said before we you look at cookbooks still and sometimes it's nice to look at cookbooks and go back to some of the older cookbooks from 20 years ago and things because you forget some of the great dishes that are in these books and you think god we haven't had that one for ages that's brilliant and then you can look at how to incorporate it into a garnish a particular thing and yeah you're always looking for inspiration keep an eye out and that can be as much to do with the food to the the little touches in another place and think that's a clever idea how could we utilize that or you spot something and think why haven't we been doing that yeah and you try to bring it back to your own style and or integrate it into what we do here one of the things that happens especially at the minute is like the chefs are like almost like rock and roll stars and you see all these people on you know saturday kitchen and downstairs you've got your pictures of you and you've appeared on shows like that are you comfortable with that sort of level of notoriety because you are one of the more well-known chefs in yorkshire yeah, I think we live in a day and age of new media and the whole Twitter, Instagram thing and all that. You know, people, I wouldn't say I don't class myself as rock and roll at all, but, you know, I'm no Marco Pierre White or anything. Um, I'm in a leather jacket uh, <laughs> and you talk about it today. I thought, yeah, he looks great. Um, <laughs> he didn't, isn't he, Chef White? Yeah. It's a thing that to promote your business as well. I think it's all part of the package. You need to promote your business, and especially if you're a little bit more rural or whatever, you know, you, it helps with business. You know, doing your appearances at food festivals and things like that. It's getting the name of your place banded about, you know. And I think that's that is an essential part of it. And we are hosts, myself and Kate own here, and we are hosts to people coming in through the door of day. They like to see you, you know. And ultimately, it is our place. I mean, it's all our staff who work incredibly hard that make it happen, you know, and that's the way it works. Yeah, you've got to be known and keep yourself active. I'm a great believer in doing all these different food festivals and demos and different guest chef evenings and things because it keeps your name banded about. It's a form of advertising, I suppose. Before we talk about your last dish and finish off your menu today, on those odd moments when, you know, you're not in the restaurant, how far away is your mind from the restaurant? <laughs> Can you switch off and 
we have two beautiful kids. We do live uh, next door to the pipe and glass, so we're never that far away physically either. And you are always thinking about it. But yeah, I mean, you know, we have great times with our kids and can relax with those. And that's the essential part, you know, which makes it all worthwhile as well. Which Even is brilliant. From a budding chef. They're a little bit young, yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> I think my daughter could probably be in charge of the place one yeah. day. She's only she's only six, and oh, she's definitely in charge. But you never know. Let's talk about your last dish then. Let's wrap your menu up. Okay, so I think what typifies fine food and things, the different things we do day to day, from your roast grouse and your wild halibut, but we're, we are a pub. And one of our busiest days is a Sunday. And one of my favourite dishes to eat is still roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. It's still a very popular thing on a Sunday. You know, a traditional roast done well is one of the best things of all time. Whether that's at home, everybody, I think, should know how to make decent Yorkshire puddings as well. You know, I think that's just one of the things that typifies us. Like a lot of pubs, traditional Sunday lunch, great roast beef, nice sirloin of a 30-day aged beef some great yorkshire pudding some great roasties and some nice vegetables to go with what's the secret behind a good yorkshire pudding well everybody has their own kind of different way mine is you don't necessarily have to rest it and people say you make it you know hours before but it's getting the right ingredients nice fresh eggs plain flour milk that's it nice hot fat to bake your yorkshire puddings in yeah, it's as simple as that, really. Oh, make it sound simple. I've tried and tried and tried. I'm getting there. I'm getting better. Try my recipe. You okay, have you got one written down? Yeah, yeah. Fa- right, I'm going to steal it book. then. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm going to take a picture of that before I leave. Just to wrap up then, out of the five that you've talked me through today, have you got a favourite dish? Well, me personally, to eat would be the shellfish platter yeah, every you time. you said that. Yeah, 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 so that would win me. That would be my last supper uh, <laughs> of all time, really. <laughs> all I can really say to wrap up is, you know, obviously you meet people a lot through this podcast, and when I got taught on that day by yourself, I was so excited, and it's been so fantastic to meet you today. And um, Thank you so much for talking us through your menu. No thank problem. you so much, mate. Cheers. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Past Podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe and follow me at Paul Newb on Twitter for updates on the next podcast. If you can, I'd really appreciate a nice review. Just leave a few words and it helps other people find us. The Past Podcast is edited and mixed by Adam Linder from Bespoken Podcasting. Craig Fields from Ambient Light provides technical support. With thanks to Ruby Chow for booking support.